Hi, Explorers. Thanks for listening to Kids Who Explore Parent Edition. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors. Hi, I'm Adriana Scori. I'm a hiking mom in the Canadian Rockies, Mama to Turner, and CEO of Kids Who Explore. I'm Lauren Rodick Eberly. I'm mom to Collins. We love being outside and exploring between our two homes in Seattle, Washington, and Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Wellbeing, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag Patch for a Purpose to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag Patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. Lon Cola is a wildlife and marine biologist from Saskatchewan, Canada. She grew up on a cattle and grain farm near Melfort, Saskatchewan, and has always been in love with animals. She chose to turn her love for animals and conservation into a career by attending the University of Saskatchewan and Dalhousie University to further her education. She works as a wildlife biologist for EDI Environmental Dynamics, a consulting company with offices across Western Canada. Most of Lon's work deals with bird species at risk, identifying where they are, where they nest, and how to protect those species. Lon lives with her husband, Dylan, and two daughters, Ruby Four and Polly One in Saskatoon. She loves to spread awareness and knowledge about birds and other wildlife species to her own children and anyone who is interested. Thanks for chatting with us today, Lon. No problem. Thanks for having me. Lauren and I are super excited to chat birding with you because we're very curious about this topic. So we're wondering the difference between bird watching and birding. So is it that when you're birding, you're in a certain area? Like, do you mind defining what birding is to you? Uh, Yeah, sure. That's a great question. I think they're basically one in the same. There's a lot of self-proclaimed bird nerds like myself that we might go to a certain specific area to see a specific type of bird. Or, you know, you might just be out for a walk with your kids and you see a bunch of birds and, you know, you're bird watching. Either way, you're a birder. So I think they're basically the same. Oh, that's good to hear because (laughs) I was like, I'm a wannabe birder. It all started when Collins was interested in it. So before that, birds just completely freaked me out. But now I'm interested in learning all about them. So again, we're excited to hear from you today. But you grew up birding. Is that right? Yeah, like I've I've always been super interested. My mom really likes birds. My baba, she would, she would be like, we're hopping in the car. And I'm, as a kid, I'd be like, okay, like, where are we going? And we drive to some field and see a whooping crane and I'd be like oh that's cool it's a big white bird but now I know like they're one of the most endangered birds like there's not many of them left so it's it's really cool to have those memories to think back on like now during work in the last eight years I've seen two and that was like the best 
best day at work in my life. So, so it's pretty neat to have those experiences from growing up. Yeah. That's so memorable. And so did your mom and that your grandma, you said your Baba, Mm -hmm. did they know different types of birds and were they teaching that to you or did you kind of start the interest off and then they learned from that? Yeah, I think, I think my mom and Baba, they're, they're interested. Like my Baba knew all the birds in her yard and their calls and stuff. But then as I, as I got into wildlife, actually, I always kind of thought, oh, birds, you know, they're, they're not as interesting as like the big game, like moose or deer cats, you know, but, but then birding is, can be hard and it it takes a long time to learn, but it's amazing. Like birds are so cool and there's so much to know. So I'm a bit self-taught as well. That's awesome. So you take your kids out birding then with you. Yes, I try to get them out as much as I can. We love to go hiking and we always have our binoculars. I make sure Ruby has a little set of toy binoculars. So she's right up there, you know, trying to see stuff. I'm not sure if they even work, but just to <laughs> just to have them. A few tips, if that's where you guys are wanting to head. We love tips for sure. Because anyone listening today would be very interested in hearing tips from you. Definitely. Yeah, so I think I think the biggest one is to have a bird book, a bird book or a bird app. There's tons of free apps online that you can get. I have the Sibley bird app, I think is about 20 bucks, but it's awesome because it has all the birds in North America. So whether you're in Alberta or Seattle or wherever you are, you can switch your location to see the different types of birds. And they also have all their calls. So you can also listen to what they sound like as well as see them in their range. So that's pretty awesome. But I think I think making anything into a game with kids is really fun. Maybe before you head out, oh, how many birds will we see today? Or maybe if you have a list of birds, you probably will see. You can make it into a scavenger hunt and try find try find those birds. Um, and starting with bigger birds is probably the easiest as well. You know, if depending on the age, but a young kid sees ducks or geese might be easier than seeing the smaller species. I think there's lots of ways to keep kids interested. You might think if you're in a city that you don't see many birds, but you'd be surprised at how many birds you can actually see, whether it's in your backyard or in a park or just walking downtown. Okay, I love that you told us all that because like I said, our birding or bird watching is so minimal. We pretty much see crows, pigeons, seagulls, and that is the extent of my knowledge. So I was thinking, how do I start to learn these birds? So how do you spell that app that you just named? Sibley, S-I-B-L-E-Y. Downloading that after <laughs> after yeah. this, now I'll have more knowledge about the different birds. And Adri, I think we also need to make a kid to explore birds scavenger hunt. Yeah, I like how that app. So it it does the noises of the birds as well. Like it's more, it's like interactive then. Yeah, exactly. So if, even if you think, say you're in an area and you think you saw, okay, I saw something yellow. Well, maybe it's a yellow warbler and you can actually listen to the call. It's not recommended to like call them like crazy and annoy them, but you can play the call and they might actually call back to you. So, you know, okay, that was a yellow warbler. Wow. And even with kids, sometimes birds, you can't see them especially like the smaller species, sometimes they're harder to see. So you can say, okay, well, I'll say to Ruby, where did that sound come from? Can you point to where you think it is? And let's, let's keep looking, see if we see it. So you can keep it as interactive and fun for kids as you can, for sure. Okay. And that is another thing that we do is we try and copy the sounds we're hearing. So is that not good to be doing because it's confusing the birds? 
Like with your voice, you mean? Yes. Oh no, that's fine. I'm always trying to, you know, kids grow up and they're, what sound does a pig say? Well, oink, oink. Okay. Well, like what about a crow? You know, caw, caw, or, you know, yeah, that's totally fine. Okay. Awesome. So for everyone listening and for me to take this next level, we are going to get a bird book or a bird app. Do you actually have a bird book recommendation as well? So for that, I also like Sibley. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a birder, David Allen Sibley, and he has his whole line. That's my favorite for sure. Okay. All right. And then people just seem to go out and start spotting or trying to see the area where the birds are. Yeah. So if we're just talking about apps, there's another one called Songbird Sleuth. And it's actually like, it's not a hundred percent, but if you're really stuck on trying to, if you're hearing something when you're walking and you're saying, wow, that's beautiful. It can actually record and it gives you a couple of options. Like it gives you, usually it gives you one that's like, okay, that's this bird and you know, check it, but usually it's right. So that's another handy one. Because the Explorer family is a part of our community, are always heading out on the trail hiking, and we do hear a lot of they're searching for birds and different kinds of wildlife and that. So that's really great to bring those apps to light. Thank you for that. And then another thing about the seasons of birds, is there like a particular season, like when they're migrating, like if they're migrating in the spring and then migrate again in the fall, is that like a better time to go out birding or what's your opinion on that? Yeah, for sure. So Birds usually migrate in the spring and the fall if they are migratory. So they will come back in the spring and then they will do their breeding season all summer long. And then if they are migratory, they'll fly in the fall and go somewhere warm for the winter, depending on your location. But that's that's generally so. So the breeding season is definitely like the best time to see all the birds, which is usually um, like May to middle of August. Okay, great. Birding, here we come, Lauren. <laughs> yes, well, that's why Lon and I were talking about when to get this podcast out, and we were saying that would be a great time to get everyone motivated right before they could see all the different kinds of birds, so this is perfect. Yeah. Lon, do you have a favorite bird? <laughs> that's a hard one for me, definitely. I, I, I really like marabou storks. They're in Africa. I think they're really cool. I saw one once and my mind was blown, but more locally, I think great blue herons are very cool. And also crows, which most people think are just boring and annoying, but they're so smart and just so interesting. I'm always, I'm always talking about them to people. So I, I find them really interesting. And do you have a dream birding vacation by chance? Oh, dream birding vacation. Well, that could really be anywhere. I think I'd really like to go down to South America and like backcountry camp in Patagonia and see the birds, um, as well as Antarctica, see some penguins. But um, I've done a couple months of work in uh, the Amazon, and that was probably the best I've ever seen. Just jungle. Wow. Do you have your own bucket list of birds that you want to see? Like, do you have your own checklist of, of birds that you'd like to see on your adventures? Yeah, definitely. So lots of birders, they keep bird lists, whether it's season to season or just a, a life list. And yeah, I have, I have quite a few lifers I still would like to see for sure. I appreciated you saying that about crows because we were actually just in Hawaii and my niece was super into turtles. So we were pulling up all these fun facts about turtles and talking about them together. And that just made me think as you were talking about crows that 
I should probably pull up lists of like interesting things about certain birds that we see all the time because that will probably add a new dimension to the excitement of the bird watching too. Yeah, definitely. I think that's great. Another good website, a resource for stuff like that is the Cornell Ornithology Lab. It's called All About Birds and you can literally type in any bird and it will tell you, you know, it's breeding season, how many eggs it has, how it like real cool facts. And then they also, which I love, they actually have wildlife cameras on a lot of bird nests around North America. So you can see like great blue herons building a nest or you, they have it right in a hawk nest where you can show the kids like the hawk. It'll send you a notification. Oh, it's laying an egg today or here she comes with a, a mouse to feed them. So that's really cool for kids as well. Okay, you are full of good resources. Thank you for these. I will also link them up in the show notes so everyone can find them at an easy click. So thank you. I was also wondering what kind of things we can do to respect the birds and protect them. I know that's a big part of your work. And I'm also wondering, as I put out an ask on Instagram, is it okay that my daughter likes to run after the birds and make them fly? (laughs) I think that's fine. I mean, that's just kids being kids. You know, I I wouldn't want them to grow up and like chase every bird they see. But I mean, if you scare a pigeon away, it's not going to stress them out for the rest of their life kind of thing. So I think that's fine. Yeah, a couple points, I guess. Um, You always see people feeding ducks bread. That actually is quite bad. Bread is kind of a junk food for waterfowl. So it's high carbs, high calories, but not a lot of nutrition. I would recommend only feeding birds where you're kind of allowed to just because I've seen lots of people go with a loaf of bread to a pond and it's cool because your kids get to interact, but that can bring more and more ducks to an area, which can lead to more predation of the ducks, just overcrowding, not enough food, disease, that kind of thing. So try to stay away from that. If you are going to feed them, you could go for grains or like cut grapes or that sort of thing. And then also nests. I think we grow up, we've all, or at least me, I was kind of always taught, you know, don't touch the bird nest because the bird won't come back. And I think that's kind of what we tell our kids so they won't go and wreck a nest or whatever. But if you do come across a nest, you can definitely like use it as a teaching tool. Like say you're walking a dog and you flush a duck off her nest. You can go look, whether you touch it or not, or sometimes maybe an egg will fall out. So you just put that egg back how it was, show your kids, talk about it. And then you just want to make sure that you, when you go back, you just kind of cover it up how it was, kind of make sure you don't have a bunch of grass padded down. So there isn't a track right to it for a, for a predator. If you do come across a nest and you do touch it, you know, the bird will come back. I do a lot of that for work where we actually go out to find the nests and look at them and make sure, you know, protect them, that sort of thing. Yeah, and another one, just on that same nest note, if you are in an area and there's a bird aggressively chirping at you, then they're alarm calling, and that kind of just means to get out of the area just because lots of lots of birds will actually nest on the ground, so you're at a higher risk of actually stepping on them, so you kind of just want to get out of their space. Yeah, those are all such good tips, and the food one, or probably all of them, are good for all animals, not just birds. That's a reminder for everyone when they're out on their adventures, do not feed the wildlife. We've even seen that in Alberta with people trying to feed bears and such, so do not feed the animals. Yes, exactly. Bad idea. Definitely a bad idea. So we know you're very passionate about sustainability, waste reduction, conservation, and philanthropy. Where did you get that passion from? 
You know, I've always, I've always just felt like I had this like big calling to like save the earth and do as much as I can to help it. So whether I'm at work doing wildlife surveys or I have this side project, Do More Good, where I just try to spread knowledge about waste reduction, about conservation, you know, I just to kind of help the average mom or person, person with kids, you know, how do I recycle this? And, you know, it's just easy stuff, but the more we do, the more little things we all do really can make a big impact. Absolutely. That is so true. And I know at the beginning, we talked about your kids being one and four. What are some of their favorite things to do outside? Do they specifically ask to go check on the birds or do they just like to hang out in the backyard? Yeah. Yeah. They do like birds. Um, I've recently got Ruby into trying to listen to some of the calls that like birds can do around where we live and she likes they like to go hiking they really just like being outside some kind of fun ways to learn calls are mnemonics where you actually kind of try say what the bird is saying and then if you actually hear it when you're outside you're like oh I know what that is because it's saying words so those are pretty cool. I had a couple examples if you want to see yes, some. please. Yeah. So I just am going to pull up the Sibley app again. So it's pretty easy. But like an easy one is like the chickadee, for example, that is kind of everywhere. It says its name. So it goes chickadee, dee, dee, dee. Chickadee, dee, 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 dee. Okay. We're going to be practicing these. Yeah. Or the olive-sided flycatcher is a favorite of mine. It'll say, drink three beer. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's a few, there's a few like that that are easy. The yellow warbler, she says, sweet, sweet, sweet. I'm so sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. I'm so sweet. So Lon, does it say on there when you play it, what they're saying, like in quotations, or have you just figured this out? Yeah, I've, I've figured them out. You can, you can Google. There's probably lots like that you can um, Google. Sometimes in the bios, they'll say they're normal. Yeah. The barred owl. It's pretty cool. I'll show you a couple more. I'm loving this. The barred owl. He says, who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all? So that's a cool one. Yeah, there, there's a few that are that are fun like that. So if you go out and you hear them saying that, you know, kids are like, oh, yeah. Yes, that actually helps so much. One time on Instagram, I did ask people what their favorite birds were to listen to and was just looking up on YouTube different sounds. And I decided the Baltimore chickadee was my favorite sound. I don't remember why now. There you go. Yeah, but that's super helpful to listen to the words they're saying. Yeah. And every bird has more than one call, right? Because it depends what they're asking for. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So they'll have calls, they'll have songs, they'll have alarm calls. So yeah, they have quite a bit and it, it does, it is, gets fun to get into because sometimes they'll only play a short snippet or play, sorry, they only sing a short snippet of their song or their call. And you're like, what was that? but then it just ends up being something easy. But sometimes, some days they sound really funny. So yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. So fun. And this is kind of off topic from birding, but what do you think about people having birds as pets? Is that not <laughs> up your alley? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess to each their own. Um, I guess if it's a domesticated bird, it's no different than a cat, I guess. If 
I mean, if people are letting it out in their house and stuff, but I mean, a bird would probably, probably rather be outside flying, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, the only thing I guess is like the parrot trade can get really, really bad when they're just getting birds from South America illegally or brought up here, that sort of thing. But right. That's a really yeah. good point too. Okay. This has been so wonderful. I've loved all the information. Collins and I are going to go practice all of it today. <laughs> is there anything else you had in your notes that you wanted to touch on or share today? Uh, I think I covered everything really. I think that's a good start anyways, but yeah, definitely check out those sites. That Cornell site with the cameras is so, so good for kids, especially when it starts to be nesting season and they can see, you know, the mom and dad bringing food to the nest or building the nest. I've watched the same hawk for like four years. It's been, it's been great. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. And people do need to check out your Instagram because not only do you talk about some of this, but this is how we found each other talking about sustainability, waste reduction, all the things that we were talking about before that you are so wonderful at sharing and making it super accessible for people. So before Adri asks you our final questions, can you tell people what your Instagram is and where people can find you to follow along and learn more? Sure. Thank you. Yeah. My Instagram is do more good. So it's do.more.good. And I just like to share easy tips and tricks for people to help them live a more sustainable lifestyle, you know, how you can recycle, where you can donate this, um, conservation, what have you. But I just think it's easy tips, manageable things, and there's no no judgment. I'm super transparent. I try to be funny. So it's just a, just a good resource that I'm trying to build for people to come to when they have questions about sustainability. Great. So are you ready for our, your last three questions? Yeah. All right. In the last few months, what was your best purchase under $100? <laughs> it's so lame. And it's a, uh, this is, I guess people can't see this, but it's just a couch, like lint scraper, but it gets dog hair out out of the couch like you wouldn't believe if anyone has pets it so was from the company lint rolled and it was like 10 bucks but it's unreal <laughs> so lame such a mom <laughs> can you share a book show or podcast recommendation right now so I've been reading a lot this year which is crazy and I just read two books by Kristen Hanna The Green oh, Alone and Nightingale oh the Nightingale my favorite. <laughs> oh, they're the best books I've ever read. So definitely, if you haven't read those, check them out. Oh, great recommendations. If there was no time or money limit, where would you travel or explore next? Yeah, I think I think everywhere if I had no time or money limit. <laughs> but yeah, I'm on my my bucket list life trip is backpacking Patagonia and then spending lots of time on Antarctica. And then when I get older and I'm retired, because it takes a long time and I have kids, I'd like to hike the PCT in the United States. But what? I think it takes like five to six months. So <laughs> that'll be down the road. Great. Maybe your kids will be doing it with you when they're done. Yeah. <laughs> and burden. <laughs> yes. And back to the lame answer. You don't know how many people say their answers are lame and they end up being the best recommendations <laughs> for such a good price. So there's no lame here. <laughs> Very true. I'm excited to put all of this into practice. Yeah, no problem. Thank you both so much for having me. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at Kids Who Explore on Instagram and all other social media platforms.
This podcast is produced by KP Media Productions.